Sports Radio 92.7 FNC on both this Friday and Saturday. The FNC Doghouse will be hosting the Friends in Low Places pre-concert party starting at uh, 2 p.m. So whether you're starting your weekend early on Friday or starting your Saturday night early, stop by the corner of Minton Moorhead for food, fun, and a live performance by Greg Parrish. All the WFNZ Doghouse's Friends in Low Places pre all at, rather. I read for a living. Uh, all at the FNZ Doghouse's Friends in Low Places pre-concert party. The party rolls on on the Nick Wilson Show. Miles Simmons, pro football talk writer, joins us in about 20 minutes. We got radio Tinder in about 40 minutes here. But uh, how we feeling? How we doing? Uh, the latest reports in the, the NBA. One, uh, the qualifying offer withdrawal window has ended, meaning that the uh, the Hornets qualifying offer to Miles Bridges, in spite of the very serious charges, felonious domestic violence charges he's facing, um, that, that sticks. He is still under the qualifying offer for the Charlotte Hornets. It kind of wouldn't surprise me if... If this thing goes too far into the summer, it would not surprise me if Miles just played on a, a one-year, whatever the the qualifying offer is. I don't know that that's definitively what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to see a, a react, you know, a public um, atonement by him, whether he'll comment on it. But now that the qualifying offer can no longer be withdrawn, I think that's further proof that Miles is going to be a Hornet this year at the very least. But we also had uh, Shams Charania and uh, Tony Jones of The Athletic reporting that uh, Donovan Mitchell, the sweepstakes for Donovan Mitchell is getting interesting because the Jazz and Knicks have now talked about, uh, about uh, officially started to talk about what a trade for Donovan Mitchell would look like, which is pretty funny. Danny Ainge has spent the better part of his career trying to spite a very few amount of people. He has tried to uh, to spite the L.A. Lakers as the Celtics and Lakers rivalry was alive and well when Danny was running. The uh, as a matter of fact, that was a big thing, right? The the Clipper or the Clippers, the Lakers and the Celtics were in the running for Kevin Garnett. And Danny Ainge used a lot of his behind-the-scenes influence to try and sway KG to Boston because you don't want to go play with Kobe. You don't want to go play in L.A. And the other person is Pat Riley. Because Boston and Miami have this thing, because, uh, you know, Riley used to be the head coach of the Lakers when Danny Ainge was in the NBA in Boston, that's another kind of behind-the-scenes rivalry. I would be shocked, shocked, I tell you, if Donovan Mitchell became a Miami Heat. I just, one, I don't really look at Miami as a team that's prone to overpaying for talent like that, and that's Danny Ainge is looking for a sucker. So he's not inclined to help Pat Riley because of their little rivalry. And then two, even if he was, Pat Riley's not the kind of guy to overreact and overpay for a young player. That brings us to the New York Knicks. I think that's the reason why the New York Knicks are the most likely team to land Donovan Mitchell because it's the kind they've got eight first round picks. I think over the next four years, if I remember correct, four or five years, four of their own and four are uh, ones that they've traded for. And then they have players that everybody around the NBA seems to love. It feels like every two or three years, there's a new crop 
of Knicks draft picks that people overvalue. Nate Robinson, forever. Nate Ro- Guys, I remember the Nate Robinson hype train. And by the way, he was a good NBA point guard. But he was never a great NBA point guard. He was never what people prophesized him to be because he played for the Knicks. As a matter of fact, the only thing more overrated than the Knicks would be a lot of their role players who only end up becoming role players around the NBA. But Emmanuel uh, Emmanuel quickly, Mitchell Robinson, um, I don't know if Cam Reddish qualifies because he's only been there for, I think, half a season. But these... These are some of the the players that might entice in the rebuild Danny Ainge. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a New York Knicks. But it's interesting that player movement, when we talked with with Bill Ryder yesterday, he didn't necessarily say that player movement was the big issue in the NBA, but one specific kind of player movement. Here's what he had to say. So for me, that is the most – they have to find a way, and it's not easy – but to break this notion, to destroy this idea that players who sign contracts are able and allowed to not to force their way out and to force their way to very specific places. And he's right. But I don't think it's... So, one, I don't think you're ever putting the genie all the way back in the bottle. Players have more power in the NBA than in any other league. And I don't think they're going to w- willingly, or at least without a lot of... Uh, a lot of reasons to do so. I don't think they're going to put the genie back in the bottle. And it was interesting because Bill pointed out the Kevin Durant thing. And Kevin Durant signed in Brooklyn uh, three years ago and just signed a contract extension last year and now is asking for a trade. As bad as that looks, he's at least played three years in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant has at least won NBA champions. I think the much more extreme version of this is things like what happened with Paul George. Paul George forced his way out of Indiana, went to OKC to team up with Russell Westbrook, signed a contract extension, and then a year later, after only playing a year in OKC, forced his way back home. That, to me, is damaging. Uh, Things like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard forcing his way out of San Antonio. He then went to Toronto and after winning an NBA title, that and I think this is a big this is the big context here that I think is important. After winning an NBA title, in free agency chose to leave for the LA Clippers. So those to me, I do think player movement in the NBA, and more importantly, how player movement tends to penalize small market teams. Like if Kevin Durant was going to force his way out of Brooklyn and let's say he went to Charlotte or San Antonio or New Orleans or Portland, that actually in a a really weird way could actually be good for the NBA. But how many times have we seen that? NBA players have so much power. And by the way, I I have no problem with them having power. But either finding a way where where players aren't just every offseason. It's what makes the offseason interesting. Don't get me wrong. Kevin and Kyrie Irving, their availability, amongst others, Donovan Mitchell, even though it's the team that wants to trade him, not necessarily Donovan, it absolutely, player movement is an intriguing part of the NBA. But you've got to find a way where fans don't scoff 
when a player signs long term. Even what was the what was the dialogue around Giannis? Giannis signed the contract extension. They win the title, and people started saying, "All right, well, you know, now that he's kind of fulfilled that, when do you think he's going to get out?" Which they haven't done with Joel Embiid, which is a point of hypocrisy. I've pointed out a lot on this show. So I'll ask you guys, because I actually think the NBA knows who they are. The NBA has refined their product and, and to some degree perfected their product. And I think the NBA, in terms of you know leagues that need to improve themselves, I think they're the second safest league from that side of things. I think the NFL doesn't have to do diddly squat to make that game. They are so ahead of the curb on gameplay, on rule changes, on scheduling, on... Uh, how to present their products. The NFL just continues to be ahead of the curve. There's nothing right now that I could tell you outside of maybe uh, NFL Sunday ticket being available to everybody, which I think is going to happen shortly. But there's no rule change that I think is killing um, the NFL. I don't think player movement, where quarterbacks have started to have more power, I don't think that's hurting the NFL. I don't think there's anything definitively hurting, quote-unquote, the NFL right now. The NBA... The fact that they snubbed their nose at a significant part of America over politics, I think that's probably not great. But the NBA knows who their base is. They knows they that from a gameplay side of things, they know how to how to have a really compelling TV product, and they've continued to refine it. They've found ways to get more offense into the game, faster paced, more interesting games. Major League Baseball, nobody wants to watch. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. They have a watchability product. They have a relatability problem as well. The NHL. I think the NHL is the least watchable sport. And that, throw in tennis, throw in golf. There is something about the way the rink is shaped and the way that the, the cameras capture the game and the way the game is shot. It's almost as if the game on the ice is too fast for cameras. But I watch uh, watching an NHL, an NHL game in no way comes close to the actual experience of attending a game, which is not something you can say about baseball, the NFL, or NBA. So I look at the NBA as the second safest league in terms of their product, who they deliver it to, and what it means. But I'll ask you guys, what do you see as the NBA's biggest problem? The thing that could hold the game back? Because I think I think I think Bill Ryder is 100 right. If a player signs a contract extension with you, it doesn't feel like it means anything anymore. Does that mean they need a huge crackdown? And if you're if you sign a contract extension, you can't demand a trade? No. But I do think there needs to be a more equitable way of doing this. I don't think Kevin Durant is the biggest biggest thing to point at like I think Kyrie Irving going to Boston having two disappointing seasons and then saying I'm going to be in Boston for the rest of my career and a year later he, he forced his way out of Boston in free agency I think that's a bigger problem than Kevin Durant having been in Brooklyn for three years signing a contract extension and then all of a sudden deciding he wants out itty bitty fitty you are the basketball honk on the station if I asked you what's the NBA's biggest problem what would you point at it's it's got to be these guys signing max deals, and then in six to eight months they they forced a way out. And, and more to what Bill Ryder said, it's not just that they forced their way out; it's that they demand that I'm not only going to be traded, but I'm going to be traded here. 
and it's usually a big market team and supermarket team and super teams are being formed. That's that's the biggest issue off the court because they fixed the issues on the court. Mm -hmm. They took away the the jump where you jump to the defender and that's a defensive foul. You got that gone. They just got the the take fouls. It's called that got eliminated. Wolfpack James throwing in NBA the NBA's parity problem. I actually think there's more parity in the NBA now than there was five years ago. Five years ago, you and I were guaranteed to watch. It was going to be Cleveland and Golden State in the NBA Finals, and maybe one other team could join that conversation. I think right. I think the last two or three years, there, and I think some of this is the way the the salary cap has changed. I think the last two or three years, we've had at least six or seven teams that could win an NBA title, which is a lot closer to the the NFL, where probably ten teams could win a title on any given year. Where in baseball, baseball, I think is the most. Uh, has the most parity because yes. it, it could be legitimately it's it's about luck as much as it is about talent. That's probably twelve teams on any given year could win a title. So yeah, I I, th I agree with the parity, even though I think parity has gotten better. Also, the NBA is a sport built on dynasties. That is that's its mo. Mm -hmm. So the fact that there is now parity in the sport is a good thing because from the time the the league was incepted up until just recently. It was built on the, the the Lakers and the Celtics dynasties in the 60s and the 70s, then in the 80s, the Bulls of the 90s, and then you had Pop Spurs and Golden State, uh, the, the Golden State run. I think if they if they really want a true parity, which is all 30 teams, basically the parity that I think there exists m mostly in baseball and and in the NFL. In the NFL, it's just within three years any team can rise and fall, right? And the in Major League Baseball, there's usually four or five teams that are absolute skunk butt, but there are probably 20 other teams contending for a playoff spot. And in if you get into a playoff spot, who the hell knows in baseball? So I think for the NBA, if they really want true parity, all 30 teams working to to make the playoffs, I think the simplest way to do that is one max slot per team. And maybe one sub-max slot. So where every team is guaranteed to have a superstar. Because the talent's there. We have at least 30 guys who could be uh, the best player on a really good team. But the problem is they do tend to coagulate and create super teams. So what's the NBA's biggest problem? Because uh, we got a few of these. 704 number saying schedule's too long. We'll get back to that in a bit. But Miles Simmons, pro football talk writer, joins us next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, we, uh, we have gotten to the bottom, and by we, I mean people with actual journalistic integrity, have gotten into the bottom of, uh, ooh, that smell. I, I don't know if anybody else got the uh, here in, are we technically uptown or are we in uh, on the west side of Charlotte? I don't really know. However, um, we got, I got a, the, the emergency alert about uh, there was a strong odor of gas being smelled around Charlotte and uh, that they were looking into it. Well, Brad Panovich, our guy, at WX Brad, giving us a recap of the events. This is the journalistic integrity we're talking about here. One, no gas leak. Two, old Mercaptain tanks being destroyed. <laughs> the hell are Mercaptain? Uh, Mercaptain, my captain. Uh, Mercaptive is a harmless odor additive to give natural gas a smell 
which it has uh, none otherwise. Four, that was the three, by the way. Four, uh, temperature inversion made it spread out uh, and far worse. Five, no air quality issue with any of this and no danger. So here for a second, I thought Itty Bitty Fitty was just hitting us with some gas again. Nope, it's old Mercaptive. We'll always remember the day. That's actually the only way uh, hot air or the smell of hot air being uh, thrown out into the ether here in Charlotte is the only way the Nick Wilson show could come to an end this week. In the meantime, we're just talking about the NBA's biggest problem. We're going to talk some NFL headlines with our next guest. You know him, you love him. Miles Simmons, pro football talk, NFL writer on the guest line. Miles, welcome to the show, my guy. Uh, thank you very much. You know, when you started talking about getting down to the bottom of, and you said journalistically, I was like, wow, this is one way to intro me, man. That was, <laughs> but I didn't know that that's what you were talking about, the, the smell and trailer. I, I saw something online about that. But uh, I'm glad that we know that it's not like a real problem. Well, you uh, you you were part of the uh, Panthers media for about six months there. Did you actually ever how or how long did you actually live in Charlotte? I lived in Charlotte for longer than I worked for the Panthers. It was about, uh, I mean, it was July 2020 to March 2021. Okay, so, so, so you, you yeah. would have really enjoyed this uh, random gas smell here around town. Listen, anything to make it interesting, okay. I always say. So... I was just talking about, I had played uh, a national NBA analyst talking about the NBA's biggest problem. And I think the N NBA and NFL are in a great situation because they're two games that I don't really think there are widespread, you know, huge systemic issues like Major League Baseball, like NHL, like what golf is going through. So I think the NFL, quite frankly, is Teflon. I think their, their product is perfect. I think they have a... 11 month a year business but if i asked you if you had to choose one thing to call the nfl's biggest problem what would you call the nfl's biggest problem oh that's an interesting question um i think how it's going to continue to be a leader in the sport in america but also try to expand itself globally like that's because I say because it's like right now, football is basically the only thing that millions and millions and millions of people watch live. And you look at um, ratings of different television shows and different television programs, and it's like the top, I don't know, 10 or so from the last year plus. And I saw this chart the other day, and I can't quite remember exactly what it was. But like you're talking, if you're talking about an audience of 20 plus million one of the only things that's going to do that is football. I think the other thing that was on there was maybe the opening ceremony of the Olympics. So that's great for my company, NBC. But <laughs> I think when you're talking about that, it's like, okay, how do you not just sustain that but make sure it keeps growing? And they're trying to do that you know, by putting in more playoff teams. You know, you expanded to 17 games. And, like, frankly, I don't know that you needed to do both of those things if you're the NFL, but it's also trying to, like I said, continue growth as opposed to just sustain it. But, I mean, what I, in my opinion, like 16 games, you know, six playoff teams from each conference, like 32 teams, like that's perfect. You know, I think that that's perfectly – it's perfectly balanced as all things should be, you know, as um, uh, Thanos would say. But, like, I, I 
I think if you're the NFL, you still want to make sure you're continuing to drive revenue and to drive growth. Is it entirely possible that the NFL's biggest problem is they don't have enough teams? Uh, like in what way? Like how do you say that they don't have enough teams? Well, like, like enough teams in terms of locations or enough teams in terms of like good players? Because if you if you want to have more teams, then that means you have to have more viable quarterbacks. And, like, do we have 32 viable quarterbacks right now? I don't know if the answer to that is yes. I mean, I think the game is in a better place than it was maybe, let's call it, you know, five to eight years ago with that, um, with the influx of new quarterbacks. But even yeah, even as Jimmy Garoppolo can't seem to find, like, a natural home for himself, and there are certainly reasons for that, like, well, do we know that there are 32 guys who really should be starters in the league? I think that's fair. I was talking more just from the standpoint of I don't know you can truly go as global as they want to go without a significant presence in Europe. That's beyond just London. That yeah. is that is literally NFL Europe. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with you on that. And I think that's part of why they're playing games in different places now. You know, like we're going to see a game in Germany and like that's not – something that I would have even thought would be on the radar a couple of years ago. Um, so they're, they're trying, frankly, if not for the pandemic, it might've happened earlier. Um, so yeah, they're, they're trying to do that. They're trying to expand. And I think one of the things that, you know, we might see in the, either in the next CBA or something like that is teams having to go over to London maybe once a year. And like, I'm not reporting that I'm sort of making that up, but like, I, I think that it's, it's one of the next natural steps in the progression that when you want the game to expand and to become more and more global, like there's a stadium over there that was literally built for NFL football. So how can they have a bigger presence over there um, throughout the course of the season and not just like a couple of weeks in October? I think that that's something they're going to look at. Miles Simmons, uh, pro football talk writer for pro football talk. I already said the pro football talk potter to this, but he's on the guest line. He's we are too. I, you know, I'm just going to keep pimping it for you because that's what we do. Thank that's you. what friends do. So let's take a holistic look at the NFC, of which the Carolina Panthers are one of the teams in the NFC. Compared to um, – actually, let's put it this way. The AFC is clearly the team, that uh, the, the conference that looks like it's full of juggernauts. What do you think is the strengths and weaknesses of the NFC compared – to what looks to be an absolutely loaded AFC this year. Well, you're right. I mean, the, the AFC looks loaded. The NFC looks, you know, weaker. You can put that in quotes. But you still have guys like Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And I know he's not going to have Devontae Adams, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you still have Tom Brady, who seems like he's going to be as motivated as ever to win another championship and then potentially right off into the sunset and, you know, his millions and millions of dollars at Fox. So I, I think like those two teams are probably going to battle it out. And then, yeah, the Rams are going to be there too. I mean, they always have been under Sean McVay and there's no reason to believe that they won't um, with another season of Aaron Donald. And you've got Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford also coming off extension. So I, I, I think those three teams and like, I don't think I'm breaking any news, right. Where like the conventional wisdom is that those three teams are going to be really in the thick of it and lead that conference. But I mean, you've still got other teams that are going to be competitive. Right? I think the Eagles are going to be pretty darn competitive, and we'll see if Jalen Hurts 
can kind of take that next step in his progression. And based on the way the NFC East has gone over the last, you know, let's call it 10, 15 years, right? I mean, nobody wins that division two years in a row. So if the Cowboys won it last year, it stands to reason, to me at least, that the Eagles are, like, in my mind, the favorites to win it this year just because of all the things that they've done. I, I love them getting A.J. Brown, too. So there are going to be teams that become competitive that right now we're not necessarily thinking about just because it's like, eh, you know, so many of these teams in this conference, just like, well, they could, but also, you know, and, and I think when you're looking at it that way, it does seem pretty top-heavy. Miles, you and I, having followed Cleveland sports and following the Cleveland Browns as long as we have, we understand the difference between uh, not all relevance is equal. Good relevance and bad relevance exist in the, the NFL specifically. So I'll ask you, is Baker Mayfield going to make the Carolina Panthers good relevant or bad relevant? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, probably good relevant for week one because that does give that game some more intrigue, uh, a lot more intrigue. And, you know, if it so happens that Baker Mayfield wins the starting job, which I feel like we all think he's going to, right? And then he goes out there and he's able to beat the Cleveland defense because who knows what that offense is going to look like with or without Sean Watson, then that's going to be something where he might want to throw himself a parade for the next week. And then, like, I don't know if they're going to be all that relevant for the rest of the season, right? I mean, I'm just – that's just, you know, the way I see it. But, you know, you have a quarterback who can do something for you. And I think that Baker Mayfield makes the Panthers better. How much better he makes them, I'm really not sure. And I know that defense has pieces on it, you know. Like Jeremy Chin has the, has the potential to develop into one of the best safeties in the league. I, I really believe that. But, like, what else are they really going to be able to do? And, it, and it's tough when you're coming into a year where the coaching staff is ostensibly trying to save its job, right? So I don't know how much better Mayfield is going to make them, but at least for week one, it's going to be kind of must-see TV. Follow this man on the Twitter machine at Miles A. Simmons and uh, check out his work on the uh, Pro Football Talk blog. Miles, you're the best, buddy. Really do appreciate you. Thank you, Nick. Take care. And hopefully get to talk to you in Cleveland soon. I'm sorry, Charlotte. Good man. Good man there. Miles Simmons on the guest line. Um, interesting stuff. The idea of the NFL's biggest problem. And we had we'd just been talking about the NBA's biggest problem. I do think that... At some point, if the NFL wants to expand beyond 30 team, to 32 teams, and I don't think it will make sense to do 34 teams, or like if you're going to expand into Europe, which they will do eventually, you're going to have to get 8 to 12 teams to really make up a legitimate half of the league or conference, however you want to frame it. For that to happen, I think that's where the NFL, I, I don't think it's a talent problem. I think it's a talent readiness problem. I think that I think I think we have more than that. Look at college football. College football, even though there are haves and have nots, there are sixty at any given point really talented college football programs. But player development is a problem for the NFL. And so, if you eventually want to get to a point where you do have NFL Europa as a or NFL Europe as a as its own conference. Well, then I think you're going to have to find a way. I think the NFL is going to have to find a way to develop their own minor league system 
because I just don't think with the way college football is going that it's a viable minor league system for the NFL. Not not as it's currently constructed. Maybe NIL changes that. Uh, Radio Tinder, your submissions uh, on the Garage Door Guru text line are welcome. Give us a name, a topic, an idea, a statement, and we'll swipe left or right, depending on if we like it. Uh, Radio Tinder next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Uh, We've got a lot to get to coming up in just about uh, 60 minutes. Our five key questions in the 1 o'clock hour. We've got Mellow Miller as well to talk uh, realignment in college football. He's in Big 12 country, so we'll ask him about that as well. We got a lot to get to, though, and it is time for, I don't know if you've heard about this. Have you seen this? Have you heard about it? It is Radio Tinder. Send in a text. 704-570-9610 on the Garage Door Guru text line. We'll swipe right. If we don't like it, we'll swipe or no, sorry. We'll swipe left if we don't like it. We'll swipe right if we do. Swipe left to myself not knowing the uh, the 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 own bit and the own rules to my own game here. I wanted to play really quickly here. Denny Hamlin, uh, after this last race, losing his mind about his interactions with Ross Chastain. At what point has the line been crossed too many times with one car? Uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's all in whatever I'm, level I'm willing to take, and you know, it's just uh, just another. Another unfortunate circumstance for him. Is there any way he's going to win a championship this year with the way he's upset so many people? Well, I don't know. I think it's just uh, everyone has their different tolerance levels, uh, certainly. But I've, you know, I'm, I'm, you guys know I've, I've reached my peak. Well, then what do you do about it? How do you walk out of here? The car on the right. You know, it just it all works itself out in the end. Thank you. So, itty bitty fitty, you are the preeminent NASCAR honk on this show. I will go one step further because I, I think Ross Chastain can be the Bryson DeChambeau of this of NASCAR, the guy that everybody watches because they hate him. So I'll ask you, Eddie Bitty Fitty, I'll suppose this, you swipe left, swipe right. Ross Chastain is what NASCAR needs right now. I'll swipe right in the sense that he's benefiting from a new car which has created competitive balance. That's been a word on the show today across the NHL across the NFL and NBA there's competitive balance in NASCAR now mm-hmm. and that guy doesn't care he'll put your ass in the wall if that's what it takes to win a race and NASCAR needs that and they're thriving off of that this season yeah something that can annoy me about NASCAR drivers and it, listen it's in a lot of sports is that Guys don't say anything. Guys don't do anything. Oh, we're just all trying to get along and be out here. And listen, part of me, I I appreciate the fact these guys want to stay safe. I really do. So I don't want to undermine this too much. But, like, there needs to be an a-hole in every room. There needs to be a guy that's willing to do it. It's I mean, guys, it's why I grew up loving Dale Earnhardt. He'd put you into... He'd spin you out if he had to. If it was going to take to win, the nice guy NASCAR only goes so far... If I okay, I love Tyler Reddick being goofy and silly and doing a bunch of bits. But at the same point, I want the yin and yang of that. I want the a hole in the sport. So uh, swipe right on my own thought there. Uh, let's see here from the text line, Jack saying the Hornets should go all in for Donovan Mitchell. Swipe right. 
As long as that, and I heard Jerry V today on the Mac Attack with William Eugene Pelagic. I'm Will Pelagic, saying that uh, you have to be prepared to trade LaMelo Ball. It's weird how, and I don't mean this specific to Jerry V, it's, it's, it's weird how the price on superstars is always higher in a small market. Like, are you, are you saying that if he were to be traded to Minnesota, they'd need to give up? Like, oh, I don't hear them saying the Knicks have to give up Julius Randle. I don't hear them saying that the Heat have to give up Jimmy Butler. But yet in Charlotte, it's LaMelo Ball. Uh, never mind. Uh, but yes, anything short of LaMelo Ball, they should absolutely be willing to go all in to get Donovan Mitchell. Because Mitchell and Ball would be a lot of fun together. Yeah, I'll swipe right that they should be willing to go all in. But be, be like me on the dating sites. Be prepared to get rejected. That's fair. Uh, TFB saying, uh, Nick having to deal with angry, melting down Browns fans after Baker leads the Panthers to a win over the Browns. Here's the thing about that. I get to be I was right guy in two different markets because I get to I'll, I'll be on this station. Whoever's in this show, I'm, I'm going to be on. Hey, guys, you are welcome. You are 100 percent welcome. And then in Cleveland, I get to tell you, I told you so that that moving on from Baker wasn't always going to be sunshine and kittens for everybody involved. So swipe uh, swipe right. On my I was right double moment. I'll swipe Brian on you having to deal with them, but swiping left on this idea, this notion that you believe that you'll be on in the middays. I hate to tell you, fella, tomorrow at 152 when you sign off for the final time, you'll, there'll be no more Nick Wilson Is my, from 10 to 2. Am I going to be Voldemort? Am I going to be, like, this happens, like, I can't say my old buddy's name early on in the show up there. I'm not, it's going to be frowned upon if I say Adam the Bull's name. Am I going to have that where, like, nobody can say the Nick Wilson name going forward for at least three or four months? Yeah. Just I mean, wait. I mean, I'm going to be on every show calling you out for locking <laughs> me out of middays. Uh, we continue on here with Radio Tinder. Uh, ooh. This is a good one. DJ Gahoot saying Voltron could kick Megatron's ass. Swipe left. He's the Megatron. What say you, Bitty Bitty Fitty? Uh, I'm going to swipe left just because I I have no care about the Transformers world. I don't know who could kick whose ass. Yeah, yeah. You're, thought, you're, you're well, a nerd purist. Ult- you're a nerd purist. Well, I you're read it only- as Ultron at first. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, Ultron could kick Megatron's ass. Voltron? Yeah, not nah. the not the one in that crappy Marvel. I, I will say, I love the Marvel movies, but uh, the first two Avengers movies stink. Uh, what else do you have, Ibefe? Um, My beloved New York Mets mm-hmm. took two or three in Atlanta earlier this week. I'll ask you, Nick Wilson. They've took four of six so far this season. Yes. The Mets are better than the Braves. Through 90 games, yes. Through 162 games, no. So and here's and here's you why. don't think the Mets will need at least? No, I don't think so. I still think they'll be a wild card team. Here's the biggest problem for the Mets: they've they've stopped and started. And I mentioned this the other day. They stopped and started building so many different times from uh, Brody Von Wagenen to Sandy Alderson to who was the other Jamoke that they had? Jared Porter before he got po- fired for being just an awful human being. Sending pain picks. They, they've had they've had so many stops and starts that it's really tough to build in one offseason depth. They finally have the kind of upper echelon talent, 
uh, like the the top 15 are as good as most top 15s in baseball. The problem is you start to get to the 24th man, the 35th man. They don't have the kind of organizational depth I think you need. And the Braves are stacked. The Braves 1 through 40 are about as good as you can get in baseball if you're not the LA Dodgers or Yankees. So, yeah. I, I think the Bra I think talent the Braves are just too talented not to win the East, but I think the Mets are going to be a real threat in November as long as the the pitching staff is healthy. I'm going to swipe left on your idea that the Mets don't have the depth cuz guys like Luis Guillorme, Tomas Nito, Patrick Mazika, uh, Jankowski would argue with you. Yeah, yeah, those guys are all on the roster. Well, guys, what I'm talking about are, do you have 10 guys at AAA who at any point you can bring up and are going to save your ass if one of these guys, if, uh, not DeGrom, if Scherzer goes down again? Yeah, if, yeah, David Peterson's done it for three years. Okay, but he's now in the rotation. Because guys are hurt. Uh, all right. I get it. I get it. At the end, listen. It, what's most important is that the Mets are in the playoffs. You D. No, no. What's most important is that. Okay, you want to be back on the middays when you're in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, when the Mets win the NL East, I want the apology phone call. Then I'll let you on. Hell no. Uh, <laughs> all right, the Miami Hurricanes are back. Because I heard that back somewhere to what? on the. No, no, no. They're back. That's all. You know exactly what that means. Don't be a D. Being a everybody great regular knows. season team and failing in the postseason. Everybody knows. Right. Everybody friggin' knows. When somebody says Texas is back, USC is back, <laughs> Miami is back, you know exactly what it means. Don't play coy. Are they back? I, I guess. I don't care. You're a D. You're being a D right now. You're being a D on Radio Tinder. Swipe left on you. <laughs> All right. Oh, this is a good one from the Garage Door Guru text line uh, saying Stone Cold is better than Goldberg. Swipe right. Yeah. Goldberg is the ultimate warrior of WCW. Like, the guy had three moves. He was strong as hell. He was over as hell because the fans loved him. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin could actually cut a decent promo. Stone Cold Steve Austin was actually a good wrestler. Stone Cold had a better look. Uh, Stone Cold did it without roids. Like, Goldberg is one of the five most overrated wrestlers, and now he's just out here, and the WWE's like, wait, hey, has it been a it's been a year since Goldberg almost paralyzed somebody. Let's go ahead and bring him back to see if he can finish off the job this time. I'll swipe right, because back when wrestling was relevant 22 years ago, I was a Stone Cold fan because he looked like my dad. Only, only thing I got. And now, do you just hate him? As you work through your own issues, because we all have issues. Once you know you grow up, you, you're becoming your own man. Like now, every once in a while, you just see a picture of Stone Cold and just be like, I gotta call my dad and complain at him. No, I hate him more because he has that sorry TV show on CMT that airs sometimes. Final one: the Carolina Panthers will carry three quarterbacks in 2022. Swipe right. You're not. You're not trading Darnold. Nobody's taking on that money. I'll say swipe right because uh, cutting Darnold uh, midseason or in preseason would be the ultimate act of giving up for the Carolina Panthers. But I'll swipe left on the idea that they should yeah, carry him. It's an awful idea. They should just cut Sam Darnold. It, like, Sam Darnold is doo-doo. Like, Sam Darnold isn't going to come in three games into the season if Baker gets hurt and all of a sudden he's not going to suck. Like, They should he, be able to demote him to the practice squad. The $19 million practice squad player. <laughs> Swipe right on that. That would be the ultimate screw you for, for guys like that just either like Antonio Brown. No, we're not going to cut you. You're just now making $8 million a year on the practice squad to be a diva. That would be the ultimate bleep you. That is Radio Tinder as we get into the noon hour. We'll see if 
Anybody, the closer we get to, uh, to to breaking up the show, Itty Bitty Fitty's becoming more of a D here. But the either or for the Carolina Panthers leads off the next hour on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ.